Ron and Anian. We're in that time of the year where the driving season, it's a little dangerous out there in terms of the weather. Look around, leaves the ground, and the sky is a hazy shade of winter. The Car Doctor. You know, you get stuck in seven degrees and you're not adequately prepared for it. You're driving in seven degree weather and the vehicle's not prepared for it. It's life and death. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, hello and welcome. Start your engines. It's me, Ron and in the Car Doctor at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7. Always ready. Always there for your phone number. But um, maybe today, Tom, do the phones work today? So the 855, no? Yes? We're having a, we seem to be having an issue. I think our uh, provider is having a problem, and it's not really working, but I can call out. Oh, so so here's the deal. So you can call 855-560-9900 probably in about two hours and three minutes when the show ends, because Tom will be on the phone raising, you know, holy you-know-what with the... Um, I can't say that word, can I, even though our president said, well, that's okay, I won't go there. But um, Tom will just be on the phone with the service provider. Uh, we just found this out about 30 seconds ago, but 855 560 Eh, maybe it'll work, maybe not, you know, but that's okay, because in the world of auto repair, we adapt, we're flexible, we're uh, we're used to having things go wrong, and you have to think from the hip and uh, still fix it, and that's what the name of the game is, and that's what this radio show is all about, thinking from the hip, and uh, has been for the past 27 years, 26, 27 years, whatever it's I think been. I figured out their problem. No, what's that? They need a scan tool. Probably. And that's the other thing that went wrong today. You know, we should have known that today was going to be one of those days because, well, actually, today started yesterday. I should tell you, you know, so yesterday was Friday, right? Because this show is live on Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And we, you know, we're out on the network uh, live, and then some of the affiliates pick it up later, delayed broadcast later tonight and tomorrow and so on through the rest of the weekend. But, uh, you know,. <laughs> I should have known yesterday it was going to be one of those days. I open the gate to the shop. I get out. I, You know, it's Friday. I, I went to the deli. I had breakfast. I, I go to the shop. I take the lock off the front gate, and the lock fell apart. <laughs> All right? You know, the two halves of the, you know, there's two parts to a lock. There's the hasp, and then there's the body, right? I undo the key, and the the the... the, the hasp with the key cylinder in it falls into the on top of my key, and I just pulled it away. And there's the hook still in the gate. And I'm thinking, huh? You know, like, really? I think I just want to run away because if that's how the week's going to go, that's how today's going to go. That's funny. Uh, that you know, is funny. It really was. It, it really was a, uh, a camera moment. And I looked at Danny because we, we got to work at the exact same time yesterday. And we looked at each other and went, should we go home now? Is it like, is it time to go hide? No! Like, what could go wrong? Uh, you know, what went wrong yesterday? Now I'm going to think about it because it kind of led into today, right? Today, Tony, our board op, is out today because he got to Penn Station in New York City and found out that he can get the long way from Brooklyn to Penn Station, but he couldn't get the three minutes from Penn Station to New Jersey in Secaucus uh, to make the cut because they were having problems with the trains. Now, I was in Penn Station Thursday night, I saw Mr. Billy Joel live at the Garden, 
And I, I just couldn't help. The mechanic in me came out. And I'm, they're doing an awful lot of work at Penn Station. There's sparks flying and lights and guys walking around on the tracks. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. just an awful lot going on down there. And you say to yourself, you know, what's the mechanics of this and how are they making this work? But, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's like, wow. But um and then we just found out the phones don't work. So it'll just be a great show today, I promise. Uh, the worst that happens is you have to listen to me for two hours. And Oh, please. Yeah. Think about all. Listen, we'll start I think talking. they'd rather hear me sing. Well, can you sing? No. Really? Yeah. Do you know how to sing? Oh. I've got a song in mind. <laughs> I sing solo. Solo, nobody can hear me. Yeah. Can you sing far, far away? <laughs> Try that one on. My dad used to say that to me. I don't know where this show's going, this opening. Boy, let me tell you. But my dad used to say that to me. Can you sing far, far away? And I'd look at him like, hmm. Anyway, um, what happened yesterday at the shop? I'm trying to think now. We uh, Let's see. Danny had a couple of oil changes. I had to finish up the... I had a really strange uh, repair this week. A 2012 Honda Pilot, the right side drive axle. When I tell you it failed, it actually wore... The spline stub, where it goes into the outer joint, it actually stripped the the axle to the outer joint. Actually, stripped and fell completely out. Um, not on a not a normal repair. Only one hundred and five, and I say only one hundred and five thousand miles. We expect things to last forever. You know, I'd like to see it go a little longer than that. And fortunately, the person driving it, she was a little upset. She, you know, she was in a panic because the car just stopped. Now it lost its drive axle and the car wouldn't propel itself forward and, and go anywhere. And, you know, the, the Dope of the Week award has to go out to Honda, in my opinion, because the way they mount this right side axle, it's probably the better part of 30 inches long, you know, maybe 24 inches long. And... Midway from the trans, it's a solid steel shaft, and there's there's a support bearing, and then there's the actual drive axle with an with an inner and outer CV joint. Well, you know they've got this big chunk of steel mounted to and supported by a center bearing that sits inside of the cheesiest piece of aluminum that you ever saw off the back of the aluminum oil pan underneath the solid steel exhaust manifold so it bakes and then you've got to take it out so here's a car that you know five years old six uh, six years old okay 2012 so it's six years old 105,000 miles and it's an aluminum support piece going uh, surrounded by or supporting an aluminum or a bearing that has held on by an aluminum bracket so you've got aluminum and aluminum together Somebody raise their hands. What happens when you put aluminum and aluminum together and it sits in six years of New Jersey winters and calcium chloride and salt and corrosion and, you know, everything else under the sun? Everybody in Maine raising their hand. They're going, I know what happens because I've tried to take that apart, too. So, you know, you've got to get it apart. But now keep in mind the circumference. And I hope I'm explaining this right. It, it's, you know, take your fist and put your fist in a coffee can or a small can and your your your, your fist fills the can. But now you can't pull it out because the materials have bonded together and the support bracket, the coffee can part, is just as thin. It's just such a thin piece of aluminum. So you, you can't get in there and heat it. It's, again, surrounded by an exhaust manifold and, a, and an exhaust pipe, and it's bolted to a piece of aluminum. So you can't wait to see what it would be like to get the steel bolt out of the aluminum uh, piece, you know, after six years on the road. 
So it's, you know, it's when you kind of, you know, you know, oh, dear father, and you say your mechanic's prayer, and you get out the 18-inch air chisel, which is literally what we did. We got out the 18-inch air chisel bit, and I found a way to line up with the outer piece that I had to pop out of it. And, you know, Danny, hold this end of the, hold this end of the shaft, and ba-boom. And what I ended up doing was I was able to crack the one piece of aluminum in half. That broke the surface bond with the other piece of aluminum, shot some penetrating spray in there, let it soak for about five minutes, good chance to take a, 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 a water break, and drove it out the rest of the way. But you've got to ask yourself, what were they thinking? Uh, you know, that's – or weren't they thinking? Like, I can't imagine – I can't imagine what would happen if you crack that ear, because if you crack that ear, in order to get that down and replace it, that front exhaust pipe would probably be nice to get out of the way. And then you've got to hope that the steel and the aluminum comes off the oil pan. If the oil, that doesn't come off, eh, then you've got to put an oil pan on the engine. You've got to take part of the engine apart because a piece of the drive axle broke. By the way, if, if you're wondering, to put it back together... Uh, we're going to see. I, I, I looked around. I thought about it. I was going to use some yellow grease, but something told me I needed something a little bit more mm, substantially water-resistant. So I used the silicon, the clear silicon brake grease that we use for assembly, and I coated the inside of the one piece of aluminum, put those two together, and we'll see what happens in another 105,000 miles when it has to come apart again uh, to see if that actually works. But, yeah, that was my that was my Friday. Uh, yesterday, so maybe the sign of the lock falling apart at the gate was symbolic. I'm not really quite sure. Carpenter Bob and I, Carpenter Bob came by. Carpenter Bob comes by every. I don't talk about him enough anymore, but he's he's just a right. He somehow shows up at four o'clock on Friday because he says I need to, as he puts it, I need to soak in the rays of the shop at the end of the week because he says I know this is the last bastion of sanity on the planet. He keeps calling it that. I'm not quite sure why he does that. And uh, we cleaned up, and we uh, we got out of there about uh, about quarter to six, six o'clock last night, in anticipation of Monday, so that uh, we're all fired up and ready to go. Yeah, the shop has to be clean before you go. It's it's a weird thing. I actually come home Friday night, wash my work jacket and work sweatshirt. The uniforms get done, but you know, and then I actually go down Saturday morning. I'm weird like that. Okay, I have this routine where I'll go down Saturday morning and I'll you know hang them back up. So when I walk in Monday morning. Bang! We're ready to go. Let's hit it. Um, but yeah, that was my that was my Friday yesterday. The lock fell apart to the front gate, and I went. Phew. There's probably some other things that happened. Uh, I'll have to think about during the break that um, really could be a uh, could be kind of interesting. I haven't really had time to really ponder and think about the day that ended the week that week that was um, this week. But anyway, I will because uh, I'm running Andy in the car doctor, and I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. So you bought a scan tool, and well. You say it speaks to you in a foreign language? Give Ron a call right now, 855-560-9900, if the phones were working. What do you mean, if the phones were working? Well, just what I said. Hang on a minute here. Hang, hang, how are the phones doing out there? I heard, I, I see that you're on the tech support. Yes, as you can hear, my call is very important to them. Oh, you've got the you've got the music going. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, right, I'm, so. I'm just sitting here waiting for somebody to talk to me, and you know. Well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to doing my thing. Would you just let me know when you get online with them? I want to hear that conversation. Ah, eh, we probably can't put that on family hey, radio hey, anyway. Actually, I was going to say we could put it on the air, but I don't think I have enough latitude in the dump button here. Yeah, I just I don't think you do either. Um, oh, you know what else happened yesterday? And then we'll go to. The, let, tell you what. what? Let, me, let me take this. Let me let me tell you what else happened yesterday. I forgot to tell you this. 
Um, the end of the day yesterday was a Ford Fusion, and for, for Mick on Holden, Oregon, just give me one more second, babe. I promise I'll get to you. Um, the last call of the day yesterday, or the last car of the day yesterday, shows you how my mind works, was a Ford Fusion. Simple complaint about the washers didn't work that well. All right? So you brought it in, and I pulled down the underhood pad, and you'd spray, and you'd see water shooting out from under the under the hood pad. You're saying, gee, it's a broken hose. Well, it kind of was. the Where the rubber hose connects to the washer, there's a little nipple there, and it had broken off. Oh, so you need two washer nozzles. Called up Ford. They had them in stock. They'll send them down. Jimmy shows up with them about 20 minutes later, half hour later. And they've got these two little pinch clips that you have to squeeze together to get the nozzle out of the hood opening. So it you know, kind of pops out because it, it's kind of cheesy how they – again, cheesy's the word today, I guess, maybe – so, you know, I squeezed the clips. Let me tell you how hard that plastic was. That plastic was so rock hard. Poor Carpenter Bob, this is we were doing it late in the day. He's standing there watching, looking at the nozzle. That first nozzle shot right past his face like like a rocket taken off at Cape Kennedy. It was <laughs> I, I just, can imagine yeah, it. Oh, my goodness. Because he's sitting there watching. He's trying to catch the nozzle on the other side of the hood to make sure that it doesn't fall and, you know, like something's going to happen to it. I'm like, Bobby, it's okay. I never saw plastic get so brittle in my whole life. And it just made me really stop to think about the Honda because the nozzles on a Fusion are directly over the engine, obviously, but they're also the rear exhaust manifold is right there. And, you know, they've been baking since 2011. Every time, again, 110,000-mile car. It's been, Apparently it was done. Yeah, it was done. It was baked and done. It was, you know, stick a fork in it. And the second one, I, we were a little more prepared. We kind of... Bobby went and put a catcher's mask on, but it, you know, it just, it was just, just amazing what happens and how things change. I don't want to say, you know, the word I'm thinking of is metallurgical, but it's not. It's how, how they just, their composition or their hardness level changes. The actual composition of it changes and becomes more brittle and, you know, overuse. And I, it's just, just crazy. Anyway, Mick, I'm sorry. I kept you on hold for 10 minutes. I didn't mean to do that. But uh, I'm all yours, babe. How can I help you in your 98 Jeep? Hi, Ron. Uh, yes, Long-time listener. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thanks for staying there. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, what do we got? So it's got a – it had a check engine light that came on, and the code was, was showing uh, something about a speed output sensor failure, and it was shifting at a higher RPM. So we, we put a uh, – Another sensor in it, okay. a new one, and I know what new means. Right. But uh, so we changed we changed the, the sensor. The check engine light went out. Now it it'll hardly run. It spits and sputters, and it cuts out when you give it throttle. So uh, there is no check engine light on, but it's still showing a code of a P zero seven two zero. And it's a generic output speed sensor circuit malfunction. Okay. And I don't know really where to go from here. The, the, the speed sensor you changed was in the transmission, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, what kind of scan tool do you have, Mick? It, it's just a, a generic uh, cheap one. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. It, you know, sometimes sometimes cheap is better. We can we can fix it with cheap. It's just as well as expensive. It's just how you use it. So you have a pencil. Right. You have a pencil and paper. I do. Okay. So the, the sensors we want to talk about, all right, are 
crank position. And if I'm going too fast, just tell me. Throttle position. Map sensor, manifold absolute pressure, and the vehicle speed sensor, which is the one you changed, right? You changed the VSS. Uh-huh. Right? What happens is these four sensors, and here's a here's a genius move, all utilize the same 5-volt power supply. Oh, boy. So, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see where this is going? Um, so what what's common is one of these will go south or one of these will have a 5-volt power supply problem. And and re, er, the computer will get confused and erroneously report a failure in one wrong sensor. Uh-huh. All right. Did you, just for giggles, try taking the old vehicle speed sensor out and putting the old one back in? Um, I, I wanted to, but he, my kid, he done uh, threw it away. Ouch. Okay. Yeah, we got to explain to him. So, what, well, first we got to explain to him what new means, and second we got to explain to him it's not done until the car's down the road, out the door, and it's gone for two weeks. Then we know it's fixed. Correct. Right. Um, because you know, I, I would like to. I would like to. I'd just be curious if you plug the old one back in, did the symptoms return with the fault code? So that being said, all right, you can you know check to see as you look at. The 5-volt power supply signal, I'm going to give you a connector number. You've got to find connector. Um, there's a C1 connector or a C2 connector at the PCM. One's pin 17, one's pin 31. Maybe i got to send you a wiring diagram, actually. And basically what we want to do is we want to, we want to get a wiring diagram. We want to look at the 5-volt reference signal right there and start unplugging those sensors. And, uh-huh. you know, if we unplug them one at a time... Does that affect that power supply? Does that also affect um, signal output? All right? Because sooner or later, we're going to find either a shorted sensor or a shorted wiring harness, and when we unplug it, our problem is going to go away. Does that, uh-huh. does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, one, of the, one of the places you've got to look that's real common is look around the rear head bolt on the driver's side of the valve cover. Uh-huh. All right? Because I see, I've see i seen a lot of issues where the wiring harness rubs through and creates an issue. Okay. All right? Um, and also keep in mind for the, there's the convoluted wiring harness that's there, um, you, you want to take a look at that and see what that's doing. Hey, Mick, stay on the phone. I don't want to rush you because we took some time beforehand. Let me come back and talk to you about this a little bit more. I'm Ron and the Car Doctor. We're back right after. Well, this car is automatic. It's systematic. It's hydromatic. Why, it's a greased lightning. Greased lightning. Hello, welcome back. We're on the end of the car. Did you ever notice that car, though, you know, it was built in high school auto shop, right? Think of all the cars you had in high school auto shop that you wish you had now, and what would they be worth? I don't know about you. You you hung out in the electronics studio. We had a 32 Ford 5 window with no floorboards. That we, ah, it's an old Ford. Let's just get rid of it. What could it be worth? You know, <laughs> God. Um, so, by the way, how's the, phone, I, how's the phone call coming to the phone company? I'm still very important to them. Okay. So, you know, that's why we just screwed up the queue going into the break because, you know, I'm sitting here listening to music, listening to you, trying to figure out what to do and lost track of time. Don't worry. Uh, I got plenty in me. I got a whole nother two hours. We've oh, just, we're just getting started Oh, today. Lord. And uh, I was going to tell you, I had a 69 Ford Galaxy in school. Let me tell you, that was a piece of... Um, that was a piece of steel. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> that was a piece of steel. 69 Ford Galaxy. Whew. 
big full-size boats. They were great. Nice thing with that was, I, as you can hear, I'm, I'm waiting on the line for the next available rep. Uh, no, I was, uh, <laughs> uh, my next-door neighbor backed into me. He was a school bus driver. Backed into it with a school bus. It didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was just a solid piece of steel. We didn't need airbags in those days. The cars were bigger than everything else. Let's get back to Mick in Oregon. Mick, you're still there. Yeah. So let's let's do this one at a time. Go to the PCM. All right. The uh, power, the, the the main computer, which I believe uh-huh. is I th- I believe is sitting over there on the driver's side fender, if memory serves okay. me correct. Uh, black computer module, the black or silver computer module, the silver uh, the black connector. The black connector is going to be connector one. All right. Okay. And pins two and twenty two are power. It's kind of hard for me to explain to you how to find pins two and twenty two. It'd be basically. If you were if you unplugged it from the computer and were looking at looking at the female side, the connector side of the harness, pin one is the top row on the right. Okay. Okay. Pin twenty two is straight down directly underneath it. So if you count in one, that's pin two, and if you look straight down from one, that's twenty two. Here's a case where having a wiring diagram and matching wiring color to connector would be a, yeah. would, would really be a help. All right. So what we're looking for on 2 and 22 is good solid power. Key on engine off, obviously, at this point. You know, if we go in with a voltmeter, do we have 5 volts? Is what we're looking for is 5 volts. Yeah, it should be a 5-volt signal there. Okay. I'm sorry. 2 and 22 are, are, yeah, okay. 2 and 22 are, um, 2 and 22 are PCM power. My mistake. Okay. All right. So we're looking we're looking for, you know, whatever standing battery voltage is. All right. Then we want to go okay. then we want to go to um uh pins 31 and 32. Here's where it would help if we again new pins and wire color. We're looking for ground. Okay. All right. So, you know, put your voltmeter, put one lead to the positive and then put the other into ground and you should see battery voltage there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next, you're going to look for you're going to look for a five volt power supply at pin 17. Pin 17 and um, pin 31 of the second connector, C2 or the middle connector, should also be five volt power supply. The five volt power supply on 17 and 31 of the other connector, if memory serves me right. And you're looking for shorts to ground, and don't be afraid when you're looking for a short to ground. Oh, gee, the problem's not there. Everything looks good. Wiggle the uh-huh. harnesses. That'd be a great time to go in, you know, the areas of suspect are being a problem. Start wiggling wiring harnesses nice and easy. All right? This isn't a, this isn't a case where you want to be a brute. You want to kind of gently massage everything and, and, and move right. it around. And, you know, look to see, do you see any change? All right? Okay. And then, and then we want to talk about, you know, then the sensors on the circuit or the crank. You know, cam, crank. You know, cam's part of this, too. Throttle position, map. And here's a case where look at the wiring diagram. You'll see everything that's on that 5-volt feed. All right? Okay. And then if you unplug the sensors one at a time, um, you can even do this without the scan tool. Just use it using your meter. Just watch the 5-volt supply. When, when if, 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 this, if the 5-volt supply shows a short, the signal's constantly low, unplug a sensor, does it return? Mm-hmm. Okay? And if it returns, it, it, that's, that's the sensor. Okay, I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was there was uh, another pin. There was pin seventeen, 
that I'm looking for five volts on, and then there there was a pin thirty one. But pin thirty one is at the middle connector. Okay, that's what's confusing you because pin th say pin thirty one on the on on connector one is ground. Pin thirty one on the middle connector should be a, a power supply. Okay. Okay, but again, a wiring diagram would help loads. Listen, if if you yeah. get if you get confused, send me an email. Ron at cardoctorshow dot com. As soon as uh -huh. I, as soon as I get off air, I'll 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 print out a I'll print out a wiring diagram and I'll bang it over to you. Okay. All right. Um, just to, All right. you know, give me your just give me your make and model again. Give me the seventeen digit VIN of the vehicle too. Okay. All right, and then I'll go look in the Chrysler database and see if I find anything else there. But you know, I, I think you're dealing with either a shorted sensor or a problem in the wiring harness. And I, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's where we're at here. So, all right. All right. Um, and tell your son to stop. Tell your son to stop throwing away parts. <laughs> I know. You, you know. <laughs> um, and and you know. Last, I'm going to tell you. Obviously, we want to use a good quality part. It doesn't have to be a Chrysler piece, but something you know of known quality. You know, no questions about it. You know, we don't want to buy anything. I'm going to do a little thing a little bit later today, this hour, about someone did ignition coils on a V10 Ford, and they used these coils online for $7 a piece, and I'm cringing, going, Ugh. Right. You know. And you get what you pay for. Right. So, you know, if you've got an O'Reilly Auto Parts out by you, um, get out to an O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask them, what do they have that works? What's You know, you're looking for quality, and they'll have it. And, um, you know, that's the nice thing okay. about them. They always give you straight answers. So, all right, sir. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Ron. You're really welcome, Mick, and uh, good luck to you. Like I said, send me an email, ron at com. Tom, how you doing on the phones? Oh, I'm uh, still sitting here enjoying, uh, you know, the uh, the best of Madhavani or whatever they're playing. Yeah, you notice that it's always that great elevator music. Um, you know. Yeah, the problem is I'm not on an elevator. Well, the guy that on the other end of the phone is, because there's only one guy in that company, I've decided, and he's riding the elevator looking for an excuse trying to get out because he can't really fix the phone system. So, <laughs> I'm going to pull over and take a pause. 855-560-9900. That really is our phone number, even though it kind of doesn't work today. We're calling out to get you. So if you send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, then uh, we can call you back. We're going to show you technology at its finest. You you email us. We call you back today and today only. I'm Ron and Annie, and I'll be back right after this. it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron so i understand here in the studio i have lucy the wonder dog our, our studio mascot lucy how you doing down there babe that's it she's telling you everything she knows about cars but she's happy lying on the floor the most cute little pit bull let's uh, go over and talk to ben in rhode island ben welcome to the car doctor sir how can i help hey ron i got a question about two cars if sure we have time two for a nickel go ahead sure uh, first one's a 2013 Subaru Forester. Okay. Um, check engine light came on, and uh, this is my buddy's car, but I, I told him to screw on the gas cap and go to O'Reilly's and get the code red. Right. So he goes to O'Reilly's, gets uh, P0420, and then uh, what goes from there? And we talk a lot about it, and then um, car goes down to halfway on the gas tank, and the light goes out. Um, so I told him to go get a diagnostic assessment, um, but otherwise, you know, what else? 
can we check? I was, you know, gee, uh, can we uh, check like O2 sensors or? Well, yeah. How, how many miles on the car, Ben? It's uh, 100,000. All right. Kind of young for a cat failure. Not right. not impossible. All right. Um, any sort of coolant loss issues or any oil consumption issues on the car? So, uh, oil consumption, I don't think so. The tricky part is I, I changed his oil um, recently. I cannot figure out on the dipstick how to read the oil. Um, I know I put enough in, um, but did, did you put in? Did you a, put in too much? No, no, I don't. I don't think I put too much in. I, it was just, and this is. I actually used to have a, same, a similar car with the Zero W twenty. Just pulling the dipstick out, the splash when you're pulling it out. I try to pull it out slowly, but it's like one half of the dipstick looks maybe like it's reading, and the other half it goes like right all the way up to the top. And I actually had one that was was having a huge, huge oil consumption issue, but I didn't really figure it out until I started changing the oil myself. I was measuring what was coming out um, and what was going in, but it was it was consuming a lot of oil, but I couldn't figure it out from the dipstick with right. the oil being so thin. Uh, I couldn't uh, read it. How many quarts are you putting in the Suba, you think? Four and a half, five quarts? Um, that went in, yeah. I just went uh, by spec. I think it was... I think it was about five quarts. Yeah, sounds um, about right. That sounds right. Yeah, as long five as and a little uh, with the filter. Yeah, as long as you didn't tell me seven, then I'd be a you know. No, it wasn't it, seven. Yeah, you know, <laughs> then I'd be like, eh, you know. Um, so I, I'll never forget one day on radio. We uh, too bad we don't save some of these calls. But the person I said, "How much oil did you put in it?" They said, "Well, I've just filled it up until it came out the top." You know what supposed to do? It's not a radiator; it's a crankcase. You know, it was. Oh my God, I can just that 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 that, that poor was a uh, what was that? That was a small block Chevy, as a matter of fact. So there, was, there I can't you know, I forget what it was. I think. I think a small block Chevy will hold 14 quarts of oil inside the, uh, like, oh, my God. You know, normally a five-quart system. But anyway, um, so the light went out. That's a good thing. Let's let's just talk okay. real quick. Why, does it, why, do, why do we get a cat efficiency code? All right? There's an oxygen sensor. In simple terms, every car. Uh, there's an oxygen sensor in front of the cat, the catalytic converter. There's an oxygen sensor after the cat. The the Air fuel mixture goes through the engine, it burns, it produces, you know, some pollutants, and the catalytic converter's job is to break it down into non-harmful pollutants. So an oxygen sensor measures, ta-da, even Tom Ray can answer this question, oxygen. Wait a minute, oh, I, I gave you the answer, Tom. Oh. oh, I was going to say, you know, kick batter or something. Yeah, I don't no, know. It's, uh, an oxygen sensor measures oxygen. So you will see on a normal fuel trim, good, healthy oxygen sensor, etc., you will see a, a, a voltage signal somewhere between 0 and 1 volt. Again, a simple, simple system here, simple between 0 and 1 volt. And the signal will rise and fall. If there's a lot of oxygen in the system, it's 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 low voltage. If there's a, a, a low or a high, um, I'm sorry. If there's uh, you know low is lean, meaning a high oxygen content. High means low oxygen content. It's a it's a high voltage. So the signal is always rising and falling because the computer is looking at that rise and fall, and it's always varying fuel trim. The catalytic converter takes all that oxygen. And it's like Tom sitting down to eat a sandwich. i got to pick on Tom. Tony's not here. It's like Tom sitting down to eat a sandwich. It just crams as much in as it possibly can. And you've never seen him eat, folks. And until he finally says, I've had enough, he kind of burps and he holds it. All right? So a catalytic converter takes all that oxygen and it eats and eats and eats and eats and eats until it can't eat anymore and it holds it. All right. Then at one point they they change the fuel trim. The catalytic converter says I've had enough, 
and it burps, and it releases that oxygen, and that's when the downstream O2 sensor changes its signal, okay? Mm -hmm. So all this happens over a calculated time and all of a calculated, you know, moment, and the computer knows when this is supposed to happen. If at any given time the front and the rear oxygen sensor match each other, or the because theoretically there's supposed to be a three three to five second delay on most cars. Again, normal, you know, not every car, but most cars, um, three to five second delay before where that where that rear that downstream signal will be st will stay stuck high until Tom Ray burps and then it it, it drops the signal. Um, you know, it'll, it's looking for that three to five second gap and pause and then it'll hold it for so long. If all of a sudden they start switching together, the computer goes, wait a minute, you know, it's either something's broke or we've got a problem or what happened, and it, it, it automatically sets a P0420. Um, mm. the, the fact that it's not there now, you know, we'd have to go back and look at a few things. I'll tell you what, uh, Ben, don't go away. Let me pull over and take this pause. Tom's waving at me because he's got 10 things going on today. Let me pull over and take this pause and make him happy, and I'll come back. We'll finish this up. I'm running in the car, doctor. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor. Ben, you're still there, sir. Rhode Island. Yes, hi. So real quick, let's get let's get rid of the first question so we can get to the second real fast because we're going to go. Um, let's leave it at, I mean, you understand the basic principle of how it's looking at, at cat monitoring and, and deciding if the cats pass or fail. You got that? Right. Looking right. at the yeah, O2s. Yeah. So for whatever reason, at whatever moment. So obviously, engine temperature is critical. All right. If this car has, has, if this car has a thermostat that's off by... 10 degrees, it'll affect cat monitoring ability because it affects engine temperature, and that affects the ability of the cat to light off. But it should have set a P0128, and I'm not trying to confuse you, but there's, right. other, there's other factors to consider, all right? A, a cat code doesn't necessarily mean a bad cat. That's the synopsis of how it works. Um, right. I, I would be considering engine temperature. I'd want to look at fuel trim. I'd want to look at a couple of other factors. And, again, I'd take a scan tool, go look at mode 6, and see where is engine temperature. Just because it hasn't set a fault code for engine temp or any other code doesn't mean that it doesn't uh, it isn't about to it's a pending fault so there's some Correct. detailed diagnosis that could happen here two things mm -hmm. two last thoughts uh berryman products berrymanproducts.com berrymanproducts.com take a look at the website call them up hey which one of the fuel system cleaners do you have that might help in an after treatment of the catalytic converter if the cat's getting old mm. and tired there are fuel additives out there that will help clean up catalytic converters so you can get down to you know scrub away the old and get down to the fresh surface to help mm. rejuvenate the cat it's it's been known to happen that's one of the reasons we push fuel system cleaners so much because they do work uh last thought just make sure there's no software updates i'm not aware of any from subaru make sure the car has no software updates that it might need go tell me your toyota story real quick all right tried to i took it to get aligned um they told me the right rear front control arm was bent and they couldn't align it okay um, i looked under there i don't see anything bent um and i'm wondering to gee should i just try to get it replaced or try to replace it myself and then go from there or take it to a different place to get aligned? I'd probably take it, well, a couple things. Um, to say one particular component is bent, what do they know? They must know something that you don't know. I'd be looking for tweaks in the rust or tweaks in the steel. Do I see anything kink? Do I see any flakes of rust that tell me it's possibly been moved or, or modified? Something like that. Um, but by all means, uh, you know, let's get a second opinion because to just randomly say, hey, one of the control arms is bent, well, you know what? Bologna's $1.59 a pound that I want to see you eat the sandwich. So I'm running in the car, doctor. Mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Rewind!